0: The following message was given by Shelby Murphy on Sunday, September 3rd at Redemption Hill Church. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.redemptionhill.org. Well, good morning, Redemption Hill. Let me uh, It's good to see you again today. Let me extend my welcome to those joining us for the first time. Uh, my name is Shelby, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, yes, I am a one-man band. Uh, here um, uh, again this morning. I thought about doing a wardrobe change to actually see if, actually see if anybody noticed. So <laughs> maybe for the next service, yeah. I will. <laughs> uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn over to Proverbs uh, chapter 26. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 20 through 22 uh, this morning. Uh, I'll join you there in a minute, uh, but I just want to say uh, thank you. Uh, for taking a slice of your Labor Day uh, weekend to be with us here this morning. And I hope, I pray, um, that after this, the barbecue awaits you, Lake Anna awaits you, the pool awaits you, or at the very least, the good chair awaits you as you stare at the back of your eyelids uh, for the rest of the afternoon. Uh, But again, thank you for uh, taking a small chunk of your weekend uh, to join us. Uh, And just simply by way of update, I wanted to let you know that today and next Sunday will bring our summer series in Proverbs to a close. Um, Let me turn the game down a little bit. Um, We normally take the summer to look at wisdom literature in the Bible. And today we've looked at a lot of Psalms, but we wanted to shake things up a little bit this summer uh, and open up Proverbs. So I hope that our time in Proverbs has been good for you. I hope it's been profitable. Uh, I hope that it has been fruitful for you. And if it has, I would encourage you to let us know. You can always let us know via that email, um, that email address in, in your bulletin. But you can also let us know in person. If there was a particular passage that was meaningful for you. Find whoever preached that Sunday and let them know. Your encouragement is, is a testament to God's word bearing fruit. Not, not just in you, but among all of us. And we would just love to hear about it. Turn the mids down. Turn the gain down to four. Sorry. Labor Day weekend. <laughs> Uh, So I'm up here today, uh, but we'll also be up here next week as we conclude our time in Proverbs, at least for um, uh, this summer. Uh, So you're stuck with me for the next two weeks. Uh, Then beginning September 17th, we'll start a new series, and I will give you some more info about that next week. So uh, just a little teaser, (laughs) a little teaser there. Uh, So we've been looking at uh, selective Proverbs uh, this summer, Proverbs that give us... Very clear moral instruction, Proverbs that teach us how to live rightly, righteously in, in a way that is pleasing to God. Lives marked by integrity, marked by justice, marked by, marked by honesty, marked by care for one another. And this morning, I want us to look at a little cluster of Proverbs in chapter 26, verses twenty through 22, you can follow along uh, as I read this morning. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. This This is God's word to us today. So let's pray and let's, let's ask him for help uh, this morning. Father, we need your help this morning. It's that simple. There's something in every single one of our hearts that tends to flinch when your word is speaking to us. We're prone to think that your word is for someone else and not us. So Father, today, help us to hear and receive your word as if you are talking directly to each of us. Remind us that it is a grace to us today to even be able to hear and respond to your word. And Father, I pray this morning you would help me be, be, be clear to have appropriate conviction and humility for one who is also a sinner and who needs God's word today. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Proverbs today are addressing something every one of us recognizes, something we all face, and unfortunately, we are all guilty of. So what are they saying? What is, God's, what is God saying to us here? I, I want to answer all of this today, but before I do that, I just want to say again something I've said before in this proverb series We can't let these Proverbs just stay on the level of good advice for living. I'm not John Tesh up here giving you good advice for living. These are God's ways being set before us today. Things that come from and reflect God's heart. The Bible speaks to us in in numerous ways. Sometimes through history. Sometimes through poetry. Sometimes the Bible speaks through direct instruction. But here the Bible is speaking through Proverbs. And it's all a making known of God and his ways. A making known of God's heart for his people. It tells us who God is, what he's like. And it tells us what he likes, what's pleasing to him. And then add to that this life changing thing. Jesus came and he died to completely break the power of sin in our lives and to give us new life and to give us the Holy Spirit so that we can actually live in a way that is pleasing to him. By God's grace to us in Christ, we can actually be honest people, which is pleasing to God. By God's grace to us in Christ, we can actually be self-controlled and humble and loving, which is very pleasing to God. By God's grace to us in Christ, we can actually be wise in every area of our lives. So let's see what God's heart is for us here in this regard. Let's understand his ways, how he wants us to live for our good and for the good of those around us. There are actually a bunch of surrounding verses in this chapter that that help us understand this passage some. Proverbs is really its, its its own best context. And so our proverb this morning, again, is focusing on our mouth. Particularly what's coming out of our mouth. And the focus, again, is on the fool and the folly of his words. Um, This passage and even the ones before it and after it are full of this violent, fiery imagery that is meant to wake us up to the power of words coming from an evil heart. Um, Just scan right back up to uh, verse, um, verse 17. A quarrelsome person is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. What kind of person does this? Next two verses, verse 18 and 19. One who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. Who, who in here has done that before? Well, the proverb says you're like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. And then we have verse 21 and 22 of our verses this morning. A quarrelsome person is like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. All of these images throw open the blinds on all of our casual and thoughtless words, letting us glimpse through these vivid images and pictures the real nature of of what's happening here. And verses 20 through 22 speak of very specific types of words that come out of our mouth. So, So this morning... I just want to briefly comment on each of these verses uh, separately. And then again, then I'm going to try and summarize them as a whole with some um, application to help us see how this gets worked out very practically in our lives. But I do want to make sure we understand what these verses are saying. So let's get going. Uh, Verse 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. It feels pretty straightforward. Remove the fuel and the fire goes down. However, this is not Smokey the Bear giving us instruction on fire present, prevention. I know I just dated myself with that reference. Do kids even know who Smokey the Bear is in, anymore? Um, so yes, these verses are an illustration about, about something else. And what it's illustrating is is in the second part of the verse. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. So what's the point? The point is, stop the whispering. If you take whispering away, quarreling stops. The whisperer quietly causes contention. Even that word whisperer conjures up images of subtlety. A shouter gets immediate, uh, uh, immediate um, attention, whether good or bad, but the whisperer takes a more discreet route. He's sly with his words. And so, but we'll come back to that word quarreling in just a moment, but let's first look at that word whispering. I think we all know intuitively what this word means. It's a way of speaking about gossip. It's talking about the fact that often when we gossip, we kind of lower our voices a little bit. Either literally or symbolically, by saying things like, don't tell anyone I said this. It's telling secrets, it's spreading private news about others. Uh, Let me show you you this in some other Proverbs passages. Uh, Go back a few uh, chapters to chapter um, 11. I'm going to have you look at a few different places this morning just to see how often the book of Proverbs speaks about this. Proverbs 11 verse 13. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. This is spreading private information about another person telling negative information about someone to hurt them or to show that you're in the know. Now, let's flip over to Proverbs uh, chapter 20. On verse 19. Proverbs twenty nineteen: Whoever goes about slandering uh, reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. You, you get the picture, right? Saying things about other people behind their backs in little whispering conversations. But how is that related to quarreling in our text this morning? Well, that word quarreling actually speaks about relational, relational discord, contentiousness, tension between people, whispering. I think we all intuitively Get this. Whispering can introduce tension and end up doing a lot of damage to relationships between people. Gossip so easily produces, it fuels relational discord. Gossip can ruin a reputation and it can destroy friendships. So the point of verse 20 is very clear. Gossip, whispering is how the fire is kindled and how the fire is kept going. So don't whisper. Don't gossip. Don't feed the fire of relational tension. Remove the whispering. And then verse 21 has very similar imagery, although it addresses a slightly different issue. It's not so much gossip as quarrelsomeness, but the point is exactly the same. Verse 21, as charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The quarrelsomeness, the quarrelsomeness is the fuel for relational strife. So remove the quarrelsomeness. That's a long word. Quarrelsomeness. Take it out of the equation. And then in verse 22, Solomon goes back to the whisperer and he, he makes an uh, important point. Uh, I mean, we should recognize the, uh, the truth of verse 22 almost um, uh, immediately. We know what he's saying with this little proverb, especially there at the first part of 22. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. Back whenever I worked for various performing arts um, organizations, I would often have to attend um, a fundraising events. Uh, specifically, I would need to be there to um, accompany any artist who was um, attending and to make sure they were taken care of. These These would most often happen at a very rich donor's mansion, and the artist would perform privately for a group of big donors to the organization. And so once the artist was set up, I would would simply grab a glass of wine, and I would go stand in a corner somewhere, usually by the kitchen. Um, By the kitchen, because invariably they would come out with my favorite finger food. And I wanted to grab it first—bacon-wrapped shrimp, <laughs> which, to quote Ron Swanson, is my number one favorite food wrapped around my number three favorite food. <laughs> I would politely take one of these wonderful bite-sized morsels, but I really just wanted to take the whole tray from the from the uh, from the server. Uh, just the smell alone would drive you crazy. I hope I'm not um, alone in this, but once that, once that bite hit your mouth, that crispy bacon with that sweet and tangy glaze on it, wrapped around some plump, juicy shrimp, uh, it would go down so easily. You could eat dozens of them. They were just so um, uh, appealing. And unfortunately, um, gossip is just like those appetizers. They go down like delicious bacon-wrapped shrimp. And we all have an appetite for it, unfortunately. And it's so hard to resist that person that comes to us with, did you hear? I can't believe what I heard about. It's just like one of those little bacon-wrapped shrimp morsels. It's just so, so tasty. But then look at the second half of verse 22. They go down into the inner parts of the body. The whisperer skillfully guides you with his words until you reach his conclusion on your own. He's a master manipulator that sweetens his poison so you don't notice the toxicity of the words you're digesting. And left unchecked, these toxic words create division. And strife. They breed distrust and feed suspicion. Instead of a culture of grace and love within a setting like this, the whisperer creates a culture of fear and skepticism. So, verse 20 whispering fuels quarreling and relational tension. Verse 21, quarrelsomeness also fuels strife and relational tension. Verse 22, Whisperings are really, 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 really hard to resist. That's what's being said here in these three verses. But I want to look at this as a whole as well and as, as practically as we can. And simply let God's word be a mirror to our hearts this morning. To let God's word be a light to our past to show us how to walk. Because scripture is warning us here of the damaging effects of the whisperer so that we might search our own hearts. Do I play the role of the whisperer at times? Do I secretly whisper about others instead of going to them directly? Am I guilty of manipulating others by what I tell them, hoping they'll support me or my cause? We want to let God's word bring to light all that is done in secret. And and the good news for us this morning is that we can confess and repent of our sins. And God will will forgive us. Scripture is also warning us this morning about the whisperer so that we won't fall prey to his ploys. I'm sure every single one of us can think of this person right now. In whatever institution that that you find yourself in. And God is warning us today to keep this person from reigning freely among his people in his church. To not allow their sweet words to deceive his people or give him an ear. And by being alert, we can stop much quarreling and relational strife before it even starts. So with our remaining time, I want to help us examine ourselves using these verses to help us benefit from the wisdom that is provided here In this text. And I want to organize it under three headings. Thinking about motivations. Thinking about effects. And even thinking about solutions. First up. First up, motivations. I believe it will help us today to examine ourselves. To look at our own hearts. To see what is in us. That motivates this tendency in us towards, towards gossip, towards whispering. Let's deal with the reality of our hearts, not just what comes out of our hearts. And there are, there are, I believe, two main motivations that the book of Proverbs talks about that are underneath this motivation to entertain gossip. This motivation behind our whisperings. One of them, sadly, is Malice. Hate. Sometimes it's just plain malice, the desire to hurt somebody else. Turn with me over to Proverbs 16, or back to 16. Starting in verse 27, God's word says this A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Do you hear that? A worthless man plots evil. He intends to do harm. There's actually a desire to damage someone's character, to damage a person's standing. That's one motivation that sadly can be in our hearts, and every single one of us is capable of that. But let me just take this one step further. We were in um, 1 John two weeks ago in seeing Jesus together. And as I was preparing for this week, uh, I read this in 1 John 4. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love, anyone who plots evil against someone else, Anyone who intends to harm someone else, anyone who hates or has malice toward the fellow believer, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So this examination of our heart, this examination of our motivations just got dialed to 11 if we are whispering, if we are gossiping about others, about fellow believers specifically, it should give us pause to question whether we truly know God. Because a love for God would mean a love for His people. And love for God's people is meant to give us confidence and assurance in our salvation, in our knowing God. So if our motivation is to harm another believer... What does that say about our relationship with God? There can also be another motivation at work in our hearts as well. It's a a little less malicious. It's a little more subtle. And that's the desire to be perceived as an important person. I personally feel this a lot. And it can be hard to resist the desire to let people know That you're in the know. Now I want you to see something. Um, Keep flipping over to chapter 25. In verse 9. Listen to this. Argue your case with your neighbor himself. and Do not reveal another secret. Argue. Did you know that was in your Bible? You should argue. If you've got an issue, the person to talk to is your neighbor himself. Don't talk with somebody else about that. What this verse is saying is if there is some issue that needs talking about, go to the person. Don't talk about it with somebody else. There are motives in our hearts behind what we say, underneath what we say. Let's let those motives be pure. Let those motives be informed by God's word. Let the light of God's word shine in our hearts so that we can let God's transforming grace do its work there and put those desires, the desire to hurt, the desire to puff ourselves up to death. Okay, second, let's look at um, effects. Yes, looking at motivations should sober us, but... Looking at the effects of this whispering should be a hard slap in the face. I see three effects of this whispering. First, there is an effect on the person listening, the person listening to the gossip. Look again at verse 22 uh, of our verses. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels, they go down into the inner parts. Of the body, Yes, as listeners, we love gossip. We find it delicious. We gulp it down, but it's poison. And the contagion goes down into us and makes us sick. It damages. Here's what it does. It damages our perception of the person who got talked about. It colors how we see them. Don't think that hearing whispering is some small thing. It has a, an effect on us. Second... It damages the person being talked about. I guess this is the um, obvious one. It damages their reputation in other people's minds. And it can damage their relationships. Proverbs 17 verse 9 says this. It's one of the most sobering things about this all. Chapter 17 verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Gossip can do irreparable damage to people and to relationships. And third, it damages the whisperer. Let's not forget that their own soul is being poisoned. They're out of God's path of blessing. They're walking in sin. It's not harmless. Listen, it's it's clear from here and probably a hundred other places in God's word that God sees this as a very... Serious wrongdoing. And because the effects of this sin can be so destructive. He speaks sharply about this sin. He hates this sin. Well Shelby that's that's pretty strong language. Yes it is. And let me show you where it says it. Turn, Turn back over to Proverbs 6. This one you need to see. I want to remind ourselves of this passage, because I'm sure you've heard it before. Hopefully it is familiar to you. Proverbs chapter six, starting in verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. That's some pretty strong language right there, would you say so? Seven that are an abomination. To him. And as soon as you read that, your eyes want to scan that list down to see what that seventh thing is. And here's what Solomon says haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. And here it is that seventh abomination. One who sows discord among brothers. He hates this. Hates it so much he calls it an abomination. And one of the reasons he hates this sin is because of its effects on people. So, am I someone that builds up in love? Or am I someone who tears down in gossip? Because you can't carry both. I need to be reminded of this today just as much as anyone else does. I need to be reminded of what's coming out of my mouth and more aware of what's happening in conversations around me. It's important. I need to be more aware of where I am falling short. Let me just say one more thing when it comes to the effects of the sin and it's, it's probably true wherever and whenever God's people gather. It's really easy to see how these whispers, how this gossip can quickly muddy relationships. How it can overthrow many conversations. Causing cracks in our unity and causing disunity among believers. People gossip for what they think is unity, but it actually creates disunity. But Jesus knew the temptation of the tongue. He knew the disunity that would stand in the way of loving one another. And that, would, and that would stand in the way of a church on mission. And he actually prays for us in this regard in John 17. And the pattern of this unity that Jesus desires for us is his relationship with God the Father. Jesus says this in verse 21 that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He's praying for you and I. That's a unity within these walls and it's a unity outside of these walls as well. In our whispers, our gossip has the effect of disrupting that unity. It ruins the witness of God's people in the world. It shows that we're not unified. So what do we do? That's right. We've seen motivations. We've seen uh, effects. Let's now look at solutions. In other words, what does wisdom look like in this passage? I'll give us a few practical solutions, but the first one is actually right here in our text and almost sounds like the punchline to a joke or at least a bad motivational speech. Uh, But this is God's word. (laughs) For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there are no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Stop adding wood to the fire. Stop adding quarrels to the quarreling. The solution here is unnervingly pretty simple. Stop it. (laughs) You should refuse to participate in gossip. That includes speaking it, and it also includes listening to it. To use the language of verse 20, remove the fuel. And as we saw in uh, verse 4 and 5 of this same chapter a number of weeks ago, we need God's help to know when to shut our mouths. And now we also need God's help to know when to shut our ears. Don't get involved in what doesn't concern you. Don't take up the offenses of others. Learn how to graciously redirect conversations. And if it's with a friend, then be a friend. And throw them a lifeline. Two simple questions to ask when you think you may be playing with this sin. Are you the right person to be talking to? Are you talking to the right person? If the answer to either of those questions is no, then don't talk. Or if you are on the listening end and you know that the person talking to you is not the right person to be talking about this, and I know this is hard, it's bacon wrapped shrimp being offered to you on a platter, but you've got to say something, you've got to remove the wood. And maybe the person that's talking is going to be offended by what you say. Maybe they'll be helped and they'll tell you thank you. But listen, just as we read, God hates this. He calls it an abomination. And if God disapproves of this so much, then it honestly doesn't matter how they respond. I mean, it's nice that they say thank you, but it's God's well done that you really want to hear. Look, I, I, I know this is hard because we do such a good job of wrapping our words, wrapping our gossip in bacon. We'll say stuff like, hey, guys, will you pray for me over this situation at work? And then we'll proceed to vomit gossip all over the prayer request. Hey, guys, I need wisdom for this particular situation. And then proceed to vomit all over our request for wisdom. We all do this. I do this. We vent unhealthily to one another about others. But this proverb tells us what to do it says stop wrapping your gossip in bacon, stop adding wood to the fire, stop carrying gossip. You should want to carry peace instead. Stop poisoning people with your words, but instead encourage them. Build them up in love. And let me just offer one more very practical solution uh, today. Uh, Just as Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be people that are unified and that we would promote unity. How are you praying to this end? When gossip is in front of you, when it's on the tip of your tongue, pray This is our practical antidote for gossip. Prayer is our fire extinguisher. Prayer should be our practice. The late Methodist preacher Leonard Ravenhill once said, Notice, we never pray for folks we gossip about. And we never gossip about the folks for whom we pray. For prayer is a great deterrent. Deterrent. Have you ever started praying for someone that you wanted to gossip about? Have you ever started praying for someone that you have a strained relationship with? Jesus can change our hearts through prayer when we pray for the people that we want to gossip about. Paul, Paul urges the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 4 to be eager To maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And we can only do that by abiding in Jesus and his word. And by practicing a life that prays for the people that we want to gossip about. And when we're tempted with the appetite for the sin. I pray that the end of this um, Ephesians passage in in chapter 4 would come to your mind. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. We should be a people that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would build others up, that encourage and build others up. That when you walk into a conversation, people will know that you're a person of peace, that you're a person of love, that you're a person of unity. And the only way we do that, the only way we go out those doors, the only way we dwell in unity within these walls is by practicing the way of Jesus, not practicing the way of the Whisperer. So let me begin to end here. Here in a moment, you'll be invited to come to this table and remember (laughs) Jesus' sacrifice. For you. And before you do, I would encourage you to search your heart. Search your own heart to see where you have an appetite for this type of whispering God describes here. And if, like me, you don't like what you are seeing, hear this forgiveness and change are possible in Jesus. Jesus never sinned with his mouth. He never harmed anyone with his words. He never let deceit slip from his lips. Jesus fully lived out the wisdom in Proverbs 16, 20 through 22. Yet he took the judgment for our whispers. He took the judgment for our harmful speech to provide us forgiveness The one with no deceit in his mouth died for deceivers like you and me. The humble died for the bragger. The reconciler died for the contentious. And to the degree that the truth of the gospel grips us today, we no longer need to lie. We no longer need to gossip, to slander. We no longer need to exalt ourselves with our words because Jesus gives grace to the humble. We don't need to justify ourselves because in Christ we have already been justified. We don't need to be slanderous and unforgiving because Jesus has forgiven us. We don't need to lie to get others approval because we have the approval of Jesus. I know we all grew up saying sticks and stones may break my bones, but but I think we all know that's simply not true. Our words are powerful. Our tongues are difficult to tame, but there are words that overcome our sinful and uncontrolled tongues. There are words like, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. And words like, the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Praise God for those words. We need to hate the sin of whispering and gossip as much as God hates it. And here's the reverse of that. God loves. He delights. He finds pleasure in those who bring peace. Those who contribute to shalom and safety and protection and love. Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I know we use this verse around uh, verse um, a lot around here. And when we hear it, we should be reminded that when we hear Jesus saying this, he's saying it to us. He's saying there's rest, there's peace, there's safety, there's refuge. In him. But I also believe that's what he intends it to be like in his body as well, of which he's the head. That's what he intends it to be like in his church. This is God's desire for Redemption Hill Church. I know we're not going to do it perfectly all the time. God knows our frame, Jesus knows our weakness. But there's real forgiveness whenever we mess up. Thank God. But because of the life we have in Christ, we actually can do this well. And we can grow and encourage one another in the process. May we be carriers of peace. May we be carriers of love. May we be people that are unified. And when those outside those doors look at us, they should see a people that practice the way of Jesus, not people that are adding more wood to the fires of our day. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for once again speaking to us so clearly. We sense that that we know the goodness of this even though it might sting, even even though it might be corrective. But we know the goodness of this because we know the goodness of your ways. And so we pray today, having heard your instruction to us in this regard, help us. We want to live in a way that's pleasing to you. And we want to live in a way that's like Jesus. So that those around us can experience peace and rest and safety and protection and love. God, help us to help one another. Even at times when it might be challenging to say something. God, give us courage and grace to help one another. And I pray that you would make us more like Jesus, and I ask this in his name. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Shelby Murphy given at Redemption Hill Church in Richmond, Virginia. For more information on the church and to hear other messages, please visit us online at www.redemptionhill.org.